Welcome to Life on the Other Side of Should, a podcast coming to you from the Sheehive Women's Collective in Ferndale, Michigan. I'm your host, Ursula Adams. And I'm your other host, Sonia Mastic. And we're here to debunk the pretty, pretty bullshit women have been taught to believe about themselves. And explore how women can thrive when they live life according to their own truths. Welcome back to Life on the Other Side of Should. This is your host, co-host, Ursula Adams, and I am joined as always by... Sonia Mastic. Sonia Mastic. And today, Sonia and I are joined by she Hiver, mom of two, Kara Rossi. Welcome, Kara. Hi, thank you. Thanks, Thanks. for having me. So I'm so happy to have you here. And it's just nice to see you. It's been some time, um, probably because, you know, you're off having oh, babies. So we don't get to see it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, Kara yeah. came to the Sheehive, you know, quite some time ago. She did a lot of work with us on helping us, you know, like really do some meditations. And she's just really passionate about moms and work. And, and when we, you know, asked the question, what could you talk about for 17 and a half minutes, passionately and without preparation, she's like natural childbirth. And um, so this is one of those, I bet you. So my joke is that Sonia knows something about everything, whatever the topic has been, she has known something about everything, but neither Sonia and I are moms. So <laughs> natural childbirth, she probably knows something about it, but maybe not this time. So <laughs> I'm, we're going to be testing her knowledge today. So why are you passionate about it? Tell us about it. Why, why this topic? Yeah, so um, I started being interested in childbirth in general and natural childbirth actually right when I started college. Um, so I went to college, I went to Kalamazoo College, and it was a very liberal arts school. And I saw a flyer for a women's group. And I had just been like, I'm really close with my mom and all of her friends. And so I was like, yeah, I want to support women. And I go to this first meeting and they're talking about reproductive rights and reproductive justice. And all of that's around like abortion and birth control, which are incredibly important. But I didn't see this whole women experience that I'm coming from, like this group of moms represented there. Like, so I was like, well, what about people who want to be moms? And what about rights and justice for birthing people? And so it kind of started this passion for how do I support women who want to be moms? How do we talk about that experience? Um, and I did an internship with a birth doula in Vancouver, which was incredibly enlightening. Like I learned all about natural childbirth, which is totally different than the popular conception we have of birth today, right? Like in America, in TV shows and everything, we see it as this crazy, frenzied, medicalized procedure. And the mom is like, <sighs> And like, they're going to catch the baby, but in reality, that's not always the experience. Um, and so I read a lot about it. I actually wrote my senior thesis about the history of childbirth in America and how it went from a natural experience that was attended by women with women at the center of it into this medicalized version with a woman being a patient and how actually our industrialization and professionalization of medicine has resulted in that. And what's always shocking to me is, well, I'm going to ask you, what do you think is our maternal mortality rate in the United States? And how do we do against other industrialized nations? I actually happen I think, to know oh, this. No, no, you go, Sonia, because I know I'll this. Say, it's, it's, no, I was going to say, it certainly depends on your race, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so, but I mean, we actually do a pretty, um, pretty piss poor job compared to the rest of the world. Exactly. Yeah. So... We do. And in Detroit in particular, it's a, a yeah. really big issue. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is. And, and to me, that's heartbreaking because while it's not a universal woman experience, it is a universal experience. Every single one of us is birthed and we don't talk about childbirth enough. We don't like make space for the conversations that like, I think we should be having on it. Um, and so that's why I like want to talk about it. That's why I bring it up a ton. Um, and for myself personally, I have given birth two times. I've had two very different experiences with both of those, um, births because one very medicalized, a lot of interventions, which I'm thankful for because they did help me and my baby. And then one, I was able to do a lot more naturally. Um, but the, I, uh, the experience of having all those interventions for me was very jarring. Like I felt like I went into the birth, I had a very specific natural birth plan. And I was like, I don't want these interventions. And then all of that went out of the window. And I felt like I had no control. And I immediately felt like almost disempowered in my birth experience. And starting motherhood from that place is really hard for me. And so many women are doing that because we, in, we walk into the maternity ward, we're put in a wheelchair, we've got an IV hooked up, right? Like we're put in a bed and we're not supported enough to know or educated enough to know we don't have to do all of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, childbirth in other states are, or other countries are managed by midwives, managed naturally, and they have way better birth outcomes than we do. Um, like See, you put women in charge of anything and we just make it better. There you go. Right. Yes, exactly. 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 But I do love this idea of, you know, when you do think back, like, you know, it was, it was the women had gathered to, mm-hmm. you know, to do this. And, you know, there's, you know, some, it feels almost antiquated to think of it that way, but at the same time, like how very cool and empowering yeah. right yeah mm-hmm. I never had really thought about it that way of just you know the power of a you know a gathering of a women you know a circle of women to take yeah. care of something yeah oh yeah. that's wonderful thanks yeah and there's all, all this embodied knowledge too that we have so midwives there wasn't formal training for them and now there is a lot of formal training there's evidence-based practices that they follow but in the beginning it was all from experience because they personally had birthed or they went through and saw other women that they worked with birthing. And for me personally, that was one thing that got me through my birth is like a connection to this like embodied knowledge of me being connected to all women in history who have also birthed, right? And how powerful that could be. And we can all get there, right? And we all have that power inside us. We just, I don't find that women are educated enough to do some of the work beforehand, or even have the conversations with their providers, right? So many people use OBs as opposed to midwives. OBs are trained in a medical birth model, and there's definitely work to introduce more of that, more natural childbirth into that, but there's still like, that's the majority of it. So um, can you um, explain real quick, can you explain to the listeners, because not everybody will know what a doula is? Yeah, for sure. So a doula is a support person and there's a bunch of different types of doulas. Like there can be someone who like prenatal doulas, postpartum doulas, there's even death doulas, but within the pregnancy space, my doula came and she had two prenatal appointments with me, um, where we talked through my birth plan. She gave me resources to help. And even like, we'd go through, here's a typical birth experience. What interventions would you be okay with? Not okay with. She gave me a template for my birth plan. And then during my actual birth, she was just another support person for me and my husband. And she knew my plan. She knew what I was hoping to get out of my birth experience. 
experience. And so when there were times where the medical professionals were recommending an intervention, she would be the person advocating for me to say, could we wait? Like Kara, it's really important to Kara that we do this instead. Like, is that an option? Ugh. And like, I'm birthing, right? Like I'm I was going to say, the, the thing is, like, I'm love, not going to do that yeah. myself. It takes that off the pressure off of you and your yeah. husband to make the yeah. wrong decision, you know, because like he's also emotionally invested and, and yeah. then he's all into yeah. the moment. And then like things are in his mind, quote, going wrong. Not, not right. the way that he planned for them to go. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's a beautiful space to create, to actually do the job that you need to do and not be pulled mm-hmm. into all of these other things. Yeah. Yeah. I lo- yeah. I love so much about this, Kara, because, uh, you know, just the way that you introduce, you know, the story about, you know, when we really talk about reproductive rights, it's usually couched in the, in the abortion debate. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I never think about reproductive rights as how I choose to give birth. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm, I'm fascinated. I absolutely love this. I, you know, just anyway, I just have to say that. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. No, I'm so happy because like you're right. It's just a different way of looking at things. And I think that that's what I love about having conversations with you is that, or what you're supporting here is that you're helping all of us look at things a little bit differently. Yeah. And yeah. I know like, <laughs> and like as a mom, I wouldn't, have, or as a woman before becoming a mom, I wouldn't have done that. And now, like, I do want to make a space for women that I know who are becoming moms or going through the experience to have that opportunity to be like, it doesn't have to be the way you see it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to talk to me about natural birth, here's a ton of books that I've read or a ton of resources or research that I've done. Here's what I learned from my own experience of going through it. Here's what my doula did for me that if you can't have one yourself, maybe I can support you that way. Um yeah. And I think, you know, there's, you, you bring a point too, that I think there's all different types of mothering. I think that mm-hmm. having this podcast is, is a way for us non women that have not given birth to actually mother, mm-hmm. right? you know, probably for providing the space and everything. But I also want to say um, not to be salacious in any way, but I want to bring up the point. I know you've done a lot of work, a lot of research in this is that, um, what was the shift to make it more medical? Because it's mm. clearly proving for the people who can't pay for that medical service that yes. it's not safer. So yep. what, where's the shift of moving away from having birth into the homes and going into a clinical setting where it costs 60, 80, $100,000 to have a baby? Like where, where did it shift within our history or why yeah. does it happen? Not like both. So yeah, a lot whatever of it you was, want to tackle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So within our history or, like in the earliest 19th century, it, like 1910, 1920s, there was an actual cognizant shift for like at the start of um, the American Medical Association mm. and that experience to say, we want, we, like there's a business here, right? We have patients that we want to get their business for. And if we tell them that we are going to support them and ensure that they have safer birth, they're going to come and see us. So there was actually a lot of talk about that midwives, they're not trained. They don't know how to do this. They don't have the benefit of like the unions and the professional associations that we do as doctors. And so there's that messaging. Plus there's industrialization. There's people moving into the cities where they don't have as much space within their homes to actually have devoted birth space. Um, And so that combination led people into hospitals and maternity wards. And, you know, there's a lot more people in cities, not as many midwives. Midwives were not professionally trained at the time, so they weren't prevalent. Um, And so that's what started it. And there's 
And then ever since then, it's just like, that's our experience of it, right? We've just, we, you're, you were used to it. That's what popular culture shows us. That's everyone's story that goes and has the birth. They go to a hospital, all these things happen. Like usually they get induced, even though induction is not, leads to riskier births and actually ends up being more painful and can often lead to C-section. Um, that's just how we know. So now we don't even question it, right? We all are just going to go and have that hospital childbirth and then we're going to go on our way and be moms. <laughs> you know, it's like the story of, you know, so I'm sure you two, I hope you know, or probably have heard. So the whole, um, how wash, rinse, repeat came to be on the back of shampoo bottles. Mm -hmm. It was a marketing tactic to share, to, to sell more shampoo. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I think of all of the stories that we're told that really are just told to us. So somebody can make some money off of us. Right. Mm -hmm. Or somebody can do some control. And I never even thought about it. Like I grew up thinking that like, you know, that people, you know, in the old days didn't have access to real, you know, all the modern yeah. medicine, you know, and, um, and, you know, now I'm sitting here, like just contemplating all the stories that, that have been told to me and how absolutely wrong they were. Um, what leads to, I'm curious, and I know you probably haven't even finished answering the last question, but yeah. now I, just, <laughs> also, I also want to know what is it that we're doing that is so, that is, makes us so poor at actually helping women give birth? Why are we like number gazillion on this, on the list? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. there are so many factors for that so the other piece would be like health insurance we are we have private health insurance and we have public health insurance or government sponsored programs 43 percent of births are covered by medicaid most medicaids do not cover home birth or midwife some do but not all and so that's a majority of birth right they're going to go through that medicalized model and then also there is not enough OB and midwife providers to service all the amount of maternity, like maternity patients that we have. There's just a dearth for it. And like, there's a lot of factors in that it's, there is like a lot of malpractice insurance that you need to be that type of a provider because there have been, you know, bad birth outcomes. So it costs a lot for them to be providers. Um, but also like, there's just, I don't know why there's not enough of them. And you think about it, like we all have to be born. So all humans need, you know, are going to be born that's a lot of providers that we just don't have. Um, and I think there isn't support for midwifery to be a good option. Whereas in other industrialized countries, midwifery, midwives are the majority of birth attendants and there's support, there's professional associations, like the WHO has even declared that they're evidence-based supported, like they lead to good birth outcomes. Um, and most of the nations, all of the ones that are above us have those centered models that like that. So World Health Organization thinks it's a good idea, right? <laughs> but insurance companies in America right. don't. Well, again, <laughs> what I was driving at with the last question too, yeah. again, is that it seems to always circle back to money. Yeah, it is. Wealthier yeah. people have a lot less problems with birthing than poor people, and it comes back to you know again, privatized insurance and and privatized mm -hmm. hospitals. And I will say we've talked about this on many episodes. I had a friend that was very sick for about three years. And I spent a lot of time in hospitals with her. And you could see how each system was structured if you were at Beaumont or Henry Ford or, uh, you know, Providence or Ascension. And you could see how vastly different the care was based on whether the, the hospitals employed the doctor or the healthcare mm -hmm. system did. And, and even the billing. I mean, you know, my husband just had surgery. He was billed for transporting from room to room on the gurney an ambulatory bill. 
He was, you know, anesthesiologist using the room. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was just like everything was customized. And then he had to pay double for the doctor to get, do the surgery and an office call for the same day of surgery, even though he didn't mm -hmm. go into his office. Like, so again, mm -hmm. it, came, it seems like every aspect, nutrition, anything of health, anything of standard of living seems to revolve around money. Is that your experience in your research? Yeah, and well, so I do also work at a managed care organization. Like that's where my professional experience yeah. is. So for 12 years, I worked at a Medicaid, Medicare health insurance company. So I see it from both sides. And I will say that it's the problem is that we have a fee-for-service model, right? So you get paid for the services that you provide. And that doesn't incentivize doing good quality care all the time. There are like programs that we do to incentivize that, but universal healthcare systems, like the doctor is going to get paid no matter what they do. And often they're going to get bonus if they make you healthier or they have better health outcomes. Mm -hmm. So to me, 100%, if we're going to be in a fee-for-service model, if we're going to be in a model where we tell doctors, the more you do, the more you get paid, we're going to have more interventions. If we were to be in a system where they're going to get payment no matter what, and actually they're going to get paid more if they make better health outcomes, we'd probably have a different experience. The other thing is that like for maternity specifically, it almost ends after birth, right? There's one mm -hmm. postpartum visit for mom. Everything else is about the newborn, but that mom just literally like was ripped open, <laughs> right? Mentally has this new identity, emotionally has no sleep, is trying to make milk out of her blood, right? To feed this newborn human being. Yeah. There's no support and other, and when they do get support, they go to the office. So that transit, like you have to physically get yourself out of your house and go dress. Whereas other countries yeah. get dressed. <laughs> yeah. Other countries, they come to you and they come regularly and, and they give you a box of goods to ensure that you have all the equipment you need to support yourself at home. So they're like, we're not set. We're like not setting up moms well in this whole no. experience. No, I never even thought about that. You're right. You know, like it prepares you for the rest of motherhood. Apparently as soon as you push that baby yeah. out, it's not you anymore. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. So there bad. was a meme uh, that was circling around the other day that very much discussed that. Uh, it, it was really about the differences between the, the man and woman's experience yeah. in, in the, in the room. So they yeah. show a woman giving birth. It's, it's like a frame by frame sort of comic. And then the woman in the last scene looks completely disheveled and sweating and she's, <laughs> she's just given birth and the, and the, and the, the husband's holding the baby, the man's holding the baby. And, and the doctor says to them, how are you holding up? He's like, I'm a little frazzled. <laughs> and it was like making point of like, you know, the woman is the one who right. just pushed a human being out of her body, but everyone's concerned yeah. about the dad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. This just makes me want to march up to the hospitals and start doing what we can to make sure moms get what they need. Yeah. So what, are, so what, what are some of the things that you know of that are happening and I know I'm putting you on the spot here. I apologize yeah. for that. No, but what good. are some, what are some cool things that are happening that we need to be paying attention to? So there are definitely organizations that are devoted to this fight. There's March for moms, which is um, like, they're constantly like advocating for new legislation. Um, there's every mother counts with an organization that focuses on international birth outcomes, but also does work in the United States. And I would say even things like Biden's new American family plan has things coming that could benefit moms, right? There's paid family leave in there. Um, so I think like at an, at a societal level, those are things that we can do. But as an individual level, I think it's important, like if you know 
a woman who wants to be a mom or recently was a mom, talk to her, right? Like say, Hey, have you thought about your birth experience or, and like, or how was your birth experience? Are you doing okay? Giving some space and support for that, for those people. I would even say like, for me, this also started when I started getting passionate about birth. I went and asked my mom, what's my birth experience? Or like, what was your birth experience for me? And learning my birth story and she ended up having to have an emergency C-section for me due to preeclampsia, which I had with my second. Um, so like, but giving her that space to learn that story and then having these conversations. And she was like, I just didn't even know the options, Kara. I didn't know that I could ask my doctor to do something differently. I didn't know to write a birth plan. Um, and it, I think it helped her just as much as it helped me to like, kind of talk through that experience. You know, you say that and also it's like this light bulb just went on over my head. What I know of my birth experience is my father's reaction. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's all I know about it <laughs> is what he said. Like my mother is even a non-entity in the entire story. <laughs> like, right. that, yeah. That's asinine. So Kara, um, yeah. I know, um, you are starting to put together some resources on this. So where can people go to connect with you and learn more about this? Yeah. So I have a blog, kararossi.com. So you can reach out to me there. I do have my birth stories there. I have some resources um, that are available. And I always love to talk about this stuff with people. So if someone wants to reach out to me, talk about their own birth story or get support for planning a natural childbirth, I'd be happy to help with all of that. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This is just blows my mind what <laughs> that, I mean, just what an amazing topic and you're so knowledgeable and I really appreciate oh, it, but just the community, the she had community as a whole, like mm -hmm. every single woman that comes on this, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. I learned so much. It's amazing. Yeah. So Sonia, any last words, any last questions from you? You know, actually I would say, um, would you agree that I think one of the as far, as far as my experience with friends of mine recently that have had kids is that one of the most frustrating things to be um, asked is tell us if you need something yeah and they can't even think of what they need they just need to survive like hour by yeah. hour sometimes and so I, I found like a better way to care for them is really just without being too pushy to insert myself and say I'm going to bring you something or I'm mm -hmm. I'm here for you for this, yes. this half of the day tell me what you need or what you need me to bring or do you yes. just need me to watch the baby while you sleep or whatever you agree? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, that is a really good point. I definitely struggle with that too. And like, I'm the type of person that I didn't ever want to ask for help. And so like, I realized that it's okay to ask for help and, but it's overwhelming to be specific with what that help is. So I think exactly what you're saying, saying, Hey, I'm going to bring you dinner or I'm going to, and I'll, I'll just drop it off. Like you don't even need to, yeah. I don't need to see you if you feel bad or Exactly. Do you want to go take a shower? I'll hold the baby while you shower. Yeah. I'll hold the baby while you sleep. Um, I think that specificity in your support is, is super helpful as a new mom. Cool. Well, we're going to do that. We're going to take care of each other this way. So thank you, Kara, yeah. so much. Really appreciate it. We'll link uh, to Kara's blog on the website and on the Shehai blog. And so reach out to her, right? If you need any help. And so thanks yeah. everybody. Um, we will be back again next week with another episode of Life on the Other Side of Should. And uh, take care. Thanks. Bye. See ya. Thank you. Bye.